Right. Uh huh. Oh, okay. This is my Bible. What? Oh, wait. See, she wasn't ready. What's the matter? Oh, apparently she's not making any noise. Don't fall. Yeah, you're supposed to catch people. <laughs> Her feet. <laughs> I watched her. She was like. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just glad she didn't fall. So where does live? Hmm? You told me that? Oh, right. My bad. My bad. I even responded, but I was kind of thinking since I prayed about it, it was over. But I guess it wouldn't be. So. No, that was definitely not autocomplete. I seem to be a bit loud. Stop talking? Oh, okay. All right. So everybody ready then? Okay. This is my Bible. It is always true and the final authority. My Bible is God talking to me. I read this word daily. I meditate on this word day and night. This word is rooted and grounded in my heart. This word feeds and grows my spirit. Therefore, my flesh does not control me. I walk according to the spirit. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. God's thoughts are my thoughts. God's words are my words. God's actions are my actions. I am a doer of the word. Thank you, Lord. All right. She's coming. I think she's ready. Nope. She's not wearing it in the right spot. You're just not going to use it? Oh, you're going to use a microphone. <laughs> right? Do, 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 do. Let's, let's go ahead and try. Test, 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 testing, testing, testing. You find me? Mom, let me just tell you when you can do that. Huh? It's on. <laughs> All right, do the handheld again. Glory to God. We, uh, when the Keatons were here, we had to play musical microphones and we forgot about that. Oh. So we will uh, have this fixed by Sunday. So for tonight. You got some books for people? I will do, uh, we'll just do the handheld. So uh, we did have a prayer request, Liv's brother. Uh, do we know her? his name? Okay. That's okay. 
So Liv's brother apparently was in an automobile accident today, um, and he is apparently uh, he's has got a, a slight brain bleed. Uh, which would which also means a concussion. Right. But they have him in the hospital. Yeah, and apparently, um, you know, when there's a brain bleed, that's pressure on the brain, and all kinds of things can go haywire. Uh, so uh, they did ask that we pray for him. So we'll lift him up in prayer, and then we'll pray for the word tonight, and then we'll go on from there. So, uh, Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you for your mercy. Father, this young man that has been in this car accident, Liv's brother, Father, we speak to that brain bleed right now in Jesus' name. We command that bleed to stop, flow that blood to stop flowing from where it should not flow. We command the pressure in the brain cavity to stop. For the, if there's any brain swelling, for the swelling to come down. If there's any blockages in the brain, that those blockages be dissolved quickly and effectively most of all. And that divine health and healing take place in his body. And that they would all know that it's by the hand of God in Jesus' mighty name. Father, we thank you for the service. We thank you for the word going forth. We thank you that we have ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts to receive. Father, we ask for supernatural wisdom, supernatural understanding, that we may understand your word clearly and precisely in Jesus' mighty name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. We are going to pick up in book in uh, the book of Revelation. However, um, I just wanted to share Side something track. tonight, real quick. It's been on my heart too, uh, for because several people uh, had hands laid on them for healing over the weekend. And uh, here, and, and I want you to look right here in Mark 16. Mark 16, uh, starting in. Verse 17, it says, and these signs shall follow them that believe. Right. Okay. Not those that had hands laid on them, but those that believe. Okay. And the Keatons believe, Pastor Mike and I, we believe you can do this in your own walk. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. For sake of time, I'm not going to go over those. The one I want to look at is they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. recover. It does not say that they shall be instantly healed. It says that they will recover. Uh, And recovery, different people recover naturally at different rates. Uh, and so just like people recovered naturally at different rates, people also are, are uh, naturally recover through the Spirit at different rates. So Pastor Michael... So now, just because it says that they will recover, it doesn't mean they won't have a miraculous healing. What happened correct. with my hand was a miraculous healing. Correct. My finger would not straighten out like that for 29 years? 29 years. 29 More years. More impressively, <laughs> his knuckle, that middle knuckle was not there it was flat it was i mean you could look at his hand and see the knuckle was was half gone uh and now you can look at his hand and see that it's plainly there well you can feel it and you, you can, can feel, feel the it. knuckle it's there um before you couldn't half it, of it was gone oh mom's back oh you're back Right. Miss Ann was delivered for, for those online. Miss Ann's back was healed. Uh, we went on a hike. We hiked just 
little more than a mile and a half, mile and a half yeah. which is huge for mom. Um, and then she's been digging in the garden ever since uh, yesterday and today. She has no pain in her back. So there are miraculous healings. Now, in my case, uh, my finger, I can bend it shut. I can make a flat fist. I could not do that beforehand. But if you look at it, there's still a little bit of a bend in it. But when I would hand my hand, hold my hand like this before, that knuckle, there was a gap between that knuckle and the other fingers. You could see through it. So you can see that it's flatter. And every day it's getting flatter. So this is what you call a progressive recovery. Or, yeah, recovery. Uh, it's a recovery. It's taking place little by little. Now, I could look at this and go, oh, I didn't get my healing. And it would not, and that would be it. What healing has already taken place would, have been, would be lost. Um, and it would, not only would I not heal any further, but what I have received would be lost. Okay? So it's very important that you don't let the devil steal your healing. And it's also important that you keep your confession in line with your healing. Right. When, when, when we prayed over my foot when I got in the chainsaw accident, my confession was that it would be totally healed and, it, and, and I'd be able to use it just like normal and I wouldn't have to walk, uh, walk with a cane or anything like that. But I said it would be really cool if I had a scar. His wife did not agree. Yeah, I have a scar. We were not in agreement on that. I have a scar, but it, it is getting less and less. But I've had a scar ever since. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it, it's smaller and smaller. But here's the deal. Even though he got an immediate partial recovery because they said that he would have at least two, if not three or more surgeries, they'd probably have to shorten the toe. He'd walk with a limp. He'd have to have special shoes. None of that happened. Uh, so we got an immediate continued recovery, but then we got what was called a very long progressive recovery in that after the initial wounds were healed, a good portion of his foot was still numb. Uh, but that numbness progressively, because his chainsaw injury was in 2010, so it's been 13 years, and it was just a few years ago, we were walking through the mall, and he started doing this in his foot. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, my foot feels weird. And I said, which foot? And he said, my chainsaw foot. I said, what do you mean it feels weird? And he said, I can feel it. It's weird. And I said, you mean where you've had no feeling? And he went, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, Apparently, you have when, total when, nerves, when, when nerves regrow, they, set, they, they start sending out little pulses to, so that, so that to, to refill and test the, the connection. And, and those little pulses don't exactly tickle. <laughs> but, but the weird thing is my, my foot, is, it's still getting better. Zach, can you go get the rocking chair? Um, oh, are okay. they? Okay. I thought they were maybe staying. But, uh, so never mind that. Exactly. They don't need it. Oh. Uh, but, um, so, so I still, from time to time, my foot feels numb. But for the most part, the numbness is gone. You know, and, but it's weird because it'll come, it seems like it comes and goes. And I'm like, that, I don't and, understand. And that's that. called the counter attack. What that is, is the counter attack. Most people lose their healing from the counter attack. They look at the sign. They look at the symptom. In fact, Pastor Michael uh, held his hand out and his finger twisted in and pulled to the other side like it used to. And I looked at that and I said, we don't receive that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that he's totally healed, totally whole. The, 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 the miracle belongs to us. Why? Because the devil, think of it like this. Think of um, 
sickness as a disease, as a package from your enemy, okay? And he sends his demons as the UPS delivery people, okay? And he comes, and, and, and these demons will come with this package of sickness, and they'll put sickness on you. And um, in order for that sickness to stay, you have to sign for the package. How do you sign for the package? Well, I guess the healing didn't work. Well... Oh. Oh, I guess. Oh, I've got my, my throat's itching. I guess right. I'm getting a, getting a cold. Oh, uh, I'm in so much pain. I'm in so much misery. No, 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 no. Father, by his stripes, I was healed. I am healed. That healing belongs to me. Or if you want to get more, more, uh, more uh, in today's vernacular. Oh, I'm getting a cough. I must have COVID. Or, yeah. <laughs> yeah, don't say those things. Do not say those things. So you have to progressively. Yes, sir, Mr. Richard. Yeah, the Facebook. Yes. Right. Praise God. That's how you keep it. You keep the word of God. He was talking about reading uh, Kenneth E. Hagin's faith food and the hundred and nine healing scriptures that we have. I've got to make some more copies of it. But you just keep the word of God in your mouth. You keep the word of God in your mouth. And especially and the word of God on healing. Yeah, on healing. So remember I said I was believing for two teeth to be restored. Well, well, Pastor, what's happening there? I'm going to tell you, and this is, I, I, I mean... You really want to give me a dental exam? If your hands are clean, I might let you, maybe. But more than likely not. Should probably bite you. I might. But but the reality is is when you lose a tooth, your 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 the gums and the bone begin to decay or begin to to uh, recede. That's the word, not decay, but recede and draw back. And uh, they had gotten so drawn back that I was starting to get concerned about the other teeth becoming weak. Well, I'm telling you the, the absolute truth. They are completely flat like the rest of my other gums. They've completely filled in. So I'm sure it won't be long before the teeth grow through. I'm sure it won't be long. And so what do I have to do to maintain that is I just keep praising the Lord. I see every time I brush my teeth, Father, I thank you that I have all my teeth. Father, I thank you that I've made been completely whole. Father, I thank you that I've been made completely well. Father, I thank you that Sozo is working in my life. You have to just stay in faith well, and, and don't believe the lies of the enemy. But I was telling you about that package. Don't sign for that package. When that, when that pain, when you look at something, when you look at your hand, when you look at your whatever, your feet, your ankles, when that pain strikes, just say, no, I'm healed in Jesus' name. Well, I don't receive de- you in deny, Jesus' name. Deny the package. Deny the package. Deny the package. You know, I was healed with uh, tunnel vision years ago, years ago. I was healed with tunnel vision. And every once in a while, and it seems to always happen when I'm driving. Every once in a while, um, that it'll, it'll feel like that my peripheral is starting to close in a little bit. And when that happens, I sure enough do. I, take, I put my hand over, my, uh, over 
this, over this eye, because this was the eye that had no peripheral vision. I put my eye, my hand over this eye, and I, and I just keep driving. And I just say, see, I can see that road sign. I can see that tree. I can see that car. I can see in the mirror. And I just start declaring what I do see. And I just start declaring. And before I know it, bam, peripheral vision's fully back, and I just keep going. So why, why is she declaring these things? Because cause the Bible says that our words are powerful. You know, God created the universe and everything in it with his words, and he created us in his image. So because his words are powerful, ours are too. Uh, what we what we speak and what we say into our lives is will come to pass, yes. good or bad. If you're if you're all, I mean the the a lot of this transgender stuff and this gay stuff is is because because kids in school start picking on these kids that are a little effeminate or a little masculine, and they say, oh, you must be gay, and they start they keep saying that, and then eventually the the kids go, well, I guess maybe I am gay. And then they start saying it, and guess kids. what? Before too long, they think they are. Yeah. It's it's a it's a it's a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, uh, the word the word and 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 so many people have bought into this nasty vile lie of Satan. It, it is. is a lie. It is a lie. And, and and the fact that parents are buying into it really blows my mind. Um, well, your mind's not blown because your words are powerful. Right. But true. We understand. <laughs> True. But, so here's the deal. If you do not already have this little book in your library, or I did not give it to you, it's how to keep your healing, you need it. Right. So if you need that. So the, back, the one other thing I was going to. I have four copies in my hand right now. I've got, I've ordered ten more. They'll be here this week. The, the one other thing I was going to say is, is Robbie, uh, Robbie mentioned that we should keep the word of God in our mouths. If you can find a scripture that lines up with what you're believing for, do so, because that's the one you need to be standing on. And sometimes it might be two or three scriptures, and sometimes it might be a little vague, but it's close. Yeah, you know, like uh, what was the one uh, uh, that heals the broken, binds up the wounds, and heals the brokenhearted? Yeah, that's... It's really talking about emotional stuff, but we've Proverbs. used it. We've used it for healing of the heart. You know, physically. Uh, so just find a scripture uh, that deals with it. And if you need help with that, come find us. Come talk to us. So I just wanted to share that with you on divine healing. That's how you keep it. Um, and so don't, we are not moved by what we see. We're not moved by what we feel. We're moved by what we know is true. Uh, the other thing I want to tell you is this. You have a physical body and you have a spiritual body. In your spiritual body... There is no sickness. There is no disease. His hand is perfectly whole and right in his spiritual body. My hand, my body and my spirit is perfectly whole and right. That's what I believe for, is complete wholeness. Whatever you believe for, God took care of it in your spiritual body in that moment. You're, what we're believing for now is for what occurred in your spiritual body to manifest in your physical body. And how you get that manifestation is you praise it into existence. All right. So we'll talk more about that later. But I just wanted to encourage you guys so that nobody loses their healing. Exactly. All right. So Revelations chapter 9. Where we're at. Revelations chapter 9. We are not moved by what we see or feel. In verse 12. So we were, we've been studying Revelations. This is our 10th service on, Revela- on the book of Revelation. 
We've learned a lot. We've seen a lot. We've talked about a lot. Uh, there's one word in here that I want to share with you that I meant to get on the computer and I did not get it. But I want to give you this definition. This will help you tremendously. All right. This word, this Greek word, uh, is apoktino. 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 However, he wants to say it. Okay. Well, it goes on along with the apocalypse thing. It's apoktino. <laughs> okay. I don't know, but in either case, it would be spelled A P O K T E I N long O is how this word is spelled. This word in the original Greek is used in Revelation chapter 9, verse 5. It's used in six, uh, Revelation 6, 8. Revelations 11, 5. Uh, Revelations 13, 10. And, and in various other places through the Bible, I'm just giving you the ones in Revelation. 9.20. Uh, Revelations 9.18. Revelations 9.20. Uh, hold on. There's more down here. Hold on. Is there? I don't see any more. There he is. <laughs> Revelations 13.10. Okay. Uh, Revelations 2.23. And 2.13. I'm, it's the word, I spelled it. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you in a minute. Don't worry about putting that up here. Just focus on here. Just write down the notes. I'm going to explain it. Hold on. A bunch of Multiples. Let me explain it, please. Let me explain it, please. This word in the Greek, uh, what I said it was. Uh, Revelations 2.13, Revelations 2.23, Revelations 9.5, Revelations 9.15, Revelations 9.18, Revelations 9.20, Revelations 11.13, and Revelations 9.21. 19.21. I'm sorry, 19.21. This word is translated, were slain, war, was, slay. They should, uh, I will kill, uh, was slain. They have killed. Uh, they have killed, they have slain. Killeth. Uh, killeth. To slay. Killest. That kill, be slain, be killed. Killing some, they killed. After that, is he killed? Slew, to let us kill. In other words, this word. A lot of killing going on. In this, in this, oh, this in particular death. Greek word word is uh, translated multiple different ways all through Revelation. And the Bible. Uh, and through the Bible, but specifically through Revelations. And most of the time, this word is translated with, in, in the phraseology, kill, slay, death. Okay? Primarily, kill, slay, death. Now, uh, the reason, and, and uh, Strong's definition doesn't make this definite this word very clear to us. However, the Thayer's definition makes it very clear. This word is can mean can mean one of two things. 
This word can mean to kill in any way, rather, in, any, in any way, whatever, to destroy or to allow to perish. Okay? But it also means and is more, mostly predominantly used in this definition in the book of Revelations. It means metaphorically to extinguish or abolish, to inflict mortal death, or to deprive of spiritual life and procure eternal misery in hell. That is the definition that is used most often in the book of Revelations. Let me read that second part of that definition again. It is to deprive of spiritual life and to procure eternal misery in hell. So when we see this word kill, hurt, slay, death, it may be talking about physical death, but more predominantly it's talking about spiritual death. In Revelation. In the book of Revelation. And even through a lot of the other scriptures as well. But so we need to understand that when we see the word slay, kill, die, death in the book of Revelations, it does not always mean physical death. But it, it can very much so and very often it means spiritual death. All right. And you were telling me earlier that that, that Jesus was um, more interested in in the well because because when uh, when to, to Jesus death's not a big deal he would always say they're just sleeping rise up rise up maid and, and get out of the bed rise up whoever and get out of the bed carry your bed and go on you know uh, he he was to him you know anyways the physical death was not real a real thing it was it was the, yeah. the the death that he was concerned about was their spiritual death because right. that's the one that's eternal. Right. All right. G, the Father God, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Ghost, and even Satan's primary focus is he, it, it has to do with spiritual death or spiritual life. Jesus said, "I'm not the God of death, but I'm the God of life." So Jesus is more focused on spiritual life. He wants everybody to be spiritually alive, not spiritually dead. To be physically dead for the Father God, the Lord Jesus, is nothing more than the way they referred to it, which is sleep. All through the scriptures, they refer to it as sleep. Even Paul, when he wrote about this matter, he said, uh, he said in um, Corinthians, he said in Timothy, uh, or Thessalonians, I think it is, that he said, we're not all going to sleep, pertaining to those that sleepeth. He said, what is he talking about? He's talking about physical death. Um, no, no, no. We want to follow focus on, on the um, spiritual death. Uh, and and when so when you're ta- when you're in the spirit realm and you're talking death, they're talking spiritual. Why? Because they're in the spirit realm. Physical death is not an is not an issue in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm, what's the issue? Physical death. Or I mean spiritual, spiritual death. Spiritual death, yes. Spiritual Eternal death. death. Eternal death. Eternally being separated from God. All right. So we saw through our studies uh, that the church is called out, that uh, 
when the church is called out, look here in chapter 6, verse 14. It says, And the heaven departed, and the scroll, when, it's lo when it is rolled, and uh, when it is rolled together, every mountain and island are moved out of their places. The church gets called out. The entire earth is shaken. Uh, islands are moved out of their places. When islands get moved out of their places, what tends to happen? I said islands. Volcanoes. When the, cottons are moved, when the continents are moved out of their place, what tends to happen? Earthquakes. So when the church gets called out of here, there's going to be massive earthquakes. There's going to be volcanoes. And what do volcanoes put up into the sky? Ash. Ash, amber, uh, embers, lava. Smoke. Uh, smoke. Smoke. Uh, how much you know? That's gonna, and that's going to happen worldwide. So that's going to be a big enough problem. That's going to be an, a big enough issue. Then we pick up in chapter 8 where the trumpets start being blown. Okay. And uh, look down here in chapter 8, verse 7. It says, And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. Hail and fire mingled with blood. Uh, how much do you know hailstorms are not good? We get, a, we get a hailstorm around here with like nickel-sized or quarter-sized hailstones, and we all start going, Oh, good Lord, get in the house. You know, oh, my poor car, what have you. This hail is going to be big hail. This hail is going to be uh, window breaking, uh, land on your, hit you in the head, you're dead hail. Okay, this is going to be big hail. Uh, Not to mention that it's mixed with fire. Right, and it's going to be mixed with fire. That could either be from the volcanoes or it could be asteroids hitting. We don't know. We just know there's going to be fire in the sky. Okay? And then it's mingled with blood. And then it's mingled with blood. Uh, which we do know from a scientific standpoint that when there's dust, dust particles in the atmosphere, that that's when you get uh, blood skies. That's when the skies turn red and turn blood colored. Uh, <clears throat> and then uh, we also know that, um, that uh, there's been times when water has turned into blood. So we don't know the fullness, but we know it's not going to be a good day. And it says a third part of the trees are burnt up and all the green grass is burnt up. How much you know that's the vegetation? Which means if the vegetation is dying, how much you know the animals are not going to be doing well? They're not going to be doing well. So let's keep reading here. And the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. That sounds like a really big asteroid. It would be a very big asteroid, absolutely. And the third part of the sea became blood. And the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And the third part of the ships were destroyed. So there'd be a big tidal wave as well. Right. So we do understand that if the, you know, if the animals are dying in the oceans because of a giant asteroid, uh, how much do you know there's going to be blood in the water? And uh, that's not good. That's not a good situation. That's not a good situation at all. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning, as it were, a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers, and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. Now, a lot of your theologians believe that this is an actual meteorite, and this is what it's named. But we don't typically name them like this. Wormwood means uh, bitter, bitter. Uh, so really the indication here 
is that this was an was an angel um, from the heavenlies, a messenger from the heavenlies, and his name is called Wormwood, which is bitterness. So this would be a uh, um, a um, demon, and he's going to cause the waters. Waters typically represents people. Typically represents people. So bitterness is going to fall on the people. How much do you know? Um, if you're here on the planet and your loved ones have gone missing and there's earthquakes and there's uh, volcanoes and there's asteroids falling and animals are dying and things are turning to blood, how much do you know you're likely to get bitter towards God? You're likely to get bitter towards God. Especially if you realize, especially if you thought you were going in the rapture and you just figured out you just missed the rapture. How much do you know you're likely to get bitter? So we understand that this is so this is going to be a problem is there's going to be people that are going to be turning from God in this moment. All right. So the fourth angel sounds. All right. The fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars. So as the third part of them was darkened and the day shone not for a third part of it and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels which are yet to sound. So this angel goes through the heavens and he announces, uh, as bad as you think it is right now, it's about to get worse. It's about to get worse. Now, we don't know, the, the Bible does not give us a timeline of how long it takes for all of this to take place. We don't know. We don't know how quickly the earthquakes, we don't know how quickly or how long the earthquakes are, how, uh, how much uh, volcano activity there is. We, it doesn't give us a timeline. It doesn't give us a timeline for the stars going dark and the, a third of the stars going dark and the moon and the stars and all of that happening. It does not give us a timeline. One thing that we do agree with the theologians on, and all the theologians agree with this, is that when it talks about the stars, the sun, and the moon going dark, a third of them, they all agree that, that, that it means exactly what it says. Uh, and, and we know from science that the moon and the stars and the sun, they affect the Earth's atmosphere, they affect the Earth's weather, um, and that this will not be a good thing on the planet. Because hot zones are going to get cold and hot and, you know, weather zones are going to change and all kinds of mischief is going to be happening with the weather. All right. So now we're into verse 9, chapter 9. All right. All right. So just, we'll just read this part to refresh our memory about what we read last Wednesday. All right. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. I was asked last week, was this a good angel or a bad angel? Uh, and I said, well, the Bible does not specifically tell us. However, upon studying some more and looking some more at this, uh, I think Pastor Mike and I both agree that this was an angel from heaven. Um, and the re and it's, not that the, it's not that demons work for God. You need to understand this. Demons are not God's henchmen. That's not what this is. But God legally owns Satan a period of time where he has full reign on the earth unrestricted. So even though, even though God has to allow demons to have full run of the earth unrestricted for a time period, that time period is very restricted. 
very, very restricted. Uh, so this ain't, so God says to his very trustworthy angel, he says, go down, unlock the pit, but they're only going to be unlocked for a very short period. Okay? All right. Verse 2. And he opened the bottomless pit. And, and we'll see why later in Revelations. I forgot to mention that. And there arose a smoke out of the pit. As the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. So I don't know if you guys have ever seen locusts before, but they don't have enough intelligence to understand these orders. So we're not really talking about locusts here. We're, and, and they came out of the pit. So what we're probably talking about here is demons. Uh, There's no doubt. They may have demons. looked a little like scorpions, but they were demons. Or, or like locusts, but they were demons. All right. So, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should that they should be tormented five months, and their torment was the torment of a scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, and shall not find it, and shall desire to die, and the death shall flee from them. So this scripture tells us that people are not, even though they want to die, even though they want to physically die, they're not able to. We saw this in 1 Corinthians 15, around verse 52, and if you go back and you read the whole chapter you got to read it a couple of times because there's a few key things in there that tells us this. Well, what they're telling us is that uh, there's the pressure of these locusts, the pressure of these demons that are so thick like locusts, the, the mental anguish, the physical anguish. We understand what demons operate in. Demons attack the mind. They bring suicidal thoughts. They bring depression. They bring worry. They bring fear. They bring all kinds of mental anguish. And if you yield to that, and they bring um, evil thoughts. And in this case, apparently they bring pain, and right. a lot of it. Right. Uh, we know that they'll bring, they'll bring thoughts to people's minds that the people should do evil works. They bring thoughts to the mind that people should get drunk, that they should get high, that they should do all manner of sexual immorality, all manner of evil. So there's going to be a heavy... There's going to be a heavy pressure on the people to do great evil works in this time. And there will be people that will yield to these evil works. The other thing that we know that demons bring is they bring sicknesses and plagues of all types. So, there's going, so this is going to be a period of severe plagues, but you're not going to die from these plagues. You're going to want to die. You're going to desire to die. Because these plagues are going to be so horrible that you just, there's nothing. And here's the deal. Modern medicine won't be able to help them. Because, here's the, because honestly, um, the, the, the nations are going to be, they're, the nations are going to be bankrupted from trying to recover from the, national, from the natural disasters that are happening. There's not going to be a medical care system that can take care of this. So, so there's going to be a massive pestilences, massive sicknesses, massive diseases that people are not going to be able to get medical care from and they're going to just be in agony and yet they're not going to be able to die. They're going to want to, but they can't. 
right. Now, now I know what some of y'all are thinking. Wow, you're reading a lot into this because it just talks about them stinging you and tormenting you. But as we'll see coming up here soon, there's a lot of stuff that the Bible doesn't say in right. this case. That's right. That's right. So we have to go by what we know about demons now. Demons bring sickness now, and so if they're unleashed, how much or more are they going to be able to bring sickness in this day, in this hour? Just It's going to be just relentless. But thank God, God does help us out for, for a little bit here. All right, so death will flee from them. And in verse 7, and the shapes of the locusts... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you read verse 5. Did you, are you on 5? No. I'm, I'm on 7. I, I'm sorry, verse 5. Look at this. It says, the middle of verse 5, it says, And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should not, but that they should torment five months. Five months. Now, and I said, thank God, God gives us some help, but I was mistaken in my statement. I should not have said that that way. As we read down through here, we're going to see who's the king of these locusts. The king of these locusts is Satan. And Satan's going to command these demons that they can torture and bring sickness for five months and then he's going to tell them now you stop why because satan is very slick and he's very cunning and he's very masterful and he had and he <clears throat> and he imitates everything that the father has when satan comes much of the world that is here are going to believe that satan the antichrist is the Messiah. So the reason that this torment is going to be so vast and so hard and so pressure, so much pressure, and then all of a sudden it's going to stop is because Satan is deceiving people into believing he's the Messiah. And that he's going to deliver he's them from all this torment. He's going to be the torment. one that's going to deliver them from all of the plagues and everything that's coming along. We see this later on in Revelation. All right. All right, so, now let's keep going. Now, 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 verse 7? Yes. Okay. And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared unto battle, and on their heads, as it were, crowns like gold. And their faces were as faces uh, the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. And they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots, of many horses running into battle. Now, they at the beginning of this, they said they were like a swarm of locusts. Well, locusts aren't really that big. They're, you know, at most they might be like that that long. It doesn't really hear in, in here say how big these creatures are. They could be as big from the description. They could be as big as men or as big as a horse. You know, uh, so notice it says that they're dressed for battle and that they have kings. Or crowns, I mean. Everything that Satan has and everything that Satan does is a counterfeit and a type and shadow of Jesus. Why? Because he's trying to elevate his kingdom above God. And so he's going to have every, he's going to try to have everything that God has and then some. So these are, this is his army. How much you know? We get crowns. We get crowns of salvation. If we're soul winners, we get soul winner crowns. Uh, what, what's happening is these demons, how much do you know? Uh, Jesus has the crown. He has the um, diadem, the royal crown of all authority, power, might, and dominion. 
So here these demons, these locusts, are coming out with crowns. In other words, they're going to act like they have authority that they do not have. Why? Because they're trying to act like they're the children of God, and they're not. Now, now, as I said, they could be the size of a locust, or they could be as big as a human or a horse. If they're as big as a horse, I don't care if they're de de demonic or not. I don't want to get stung by their tails. So, <laughs> And they had tails, like in the scorpions, and there were stings in their tails. And the power was to hurt men five months. I could see if it was as big of, as a horse, it, it would hurt for five months. Yeah. Shadows. Bigger huh? than what? I know where you're coming from. I'll explain that to you later. Okay. So what she's talking, she asked, are, are there demons bigger than Satan? And no, not in size necessarily. Um, but the Lord showed her at one point in time that Satan was no bigger than Truman when he was a puppy. But that's not Satan's literal size. That's he, how he's powerful just saying he that's is, how powerful is. he is. Yeah, he just—he's no more powerful than a little puppy in, in comparison to the children of God. Right. I'm—I'm right. I'm quite sure they have—they Satan has more power than honestly. Honestly, they're—they're spiritual beings, so their size is kind of irrelevant. <laughs> How, so they do have. So Brianna, yes, the answer is demons do have a lot of power. But we have more power, and God has more power. That's, that's the answer, yes. All right, so verse 11. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue his, hath his name Apollyon. Either way, he's the king of destruction. Right. And Satan is, uh, and so it was Satan that said, you cannot hurt the, earth, the grass. And the fields, and you cannot hurt them more than five months. Why? Because it's part of his plan to make himself look like the Messiah at his coming. That's part of his plan. So these these uh, demons that are like locusts, they're intelligent beings. They take orders. They are very skilled at what they do. They're skilled for battle. Uh, so it's going to be rough. And it's going to be almost impossible to hide from them. Right. So after five months, we get a break. It doesn't tell us how long of a break, but we get a break. Now, let's pick up where we left off last week. All right. Verse 12. One woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Okay. So where is this voice coming from? From, from, the four horns. from the horns of the from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God. Remember, in the temple, they made the altar, and there were four horns on the altar. Well, that altar that God had them made is a type and shadow of the altar that's in heaven. So, so from the altar of God, God releases these next angels. Again, these angels are not the lynch demons; are not the lynchmen of God. Are the henchmen? Are the henchmen, lynchmen, any of that? <laughs> The killer men, <laughs> none of that. Uh, however, God, remember God, owes Israel seven years of Old Testament time. And God owes Satan a period of time on the earth where he has total freedom and total rule and total reign. Now, with that, 
God's, uh, G the name of Jesus still works. The power of Jesus still works. So in the midst of all these natural disasters, if you call on the name of Jesus, you shall be saved just like today. Glory to God. But you can get, as soon as the church gets called out of here and you realize what just happened, you can call on the name of Jesus, but you're still going through the seven years. You need to understand that. You can call on the name of Jesus at any point through the seven years, but you're still going through the seven years. Just like, how much you know, our grannies and our grampies and the generations before us and our generation, how much you know, we call on the name of Jesus, and guess what? We don't get to go up into the great by and by. We have to stay here until our time, until our physical time on the earth is done. Well, the same thing's going to happen for those in the tribulation. However, they can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. They can call on the name of Jesus to, uh, to push back evil. They can walk, or they can call on the name of Jesus to break free from their sins. It'll be harder for them, but they can do it. Why will it be harder? Because the demonic activity will be stronger. And because they, you ha in order to call on the name of Jesus, you have to believe in the name of Jesus. Yes. And it's going to be harder for them in that time to believe. Yes, because of the amount of demonic oppression. All right. But God's given them a chance. All right. So here goes the sixth angel. All right. So saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loosed, which were, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So this part, this is where it says to slay. This is where that definition, this is where the definition, um, there was, there was given power to them to deprive of spiritual life and to procure eternal misery in hell. God did not release these angels, these four demons. Remember the word angel means messengers. Obviously, if these angels are coming to slay, then they're, then they're not of God. But again, these, these are four angels uh, that have to be loosed because God owes them that time. Now, when you get into the deeper part of Revelation uh, and we get farther into this thing, there's what many people refer to as Ezekiel 38 war. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel prophesies of a war that will take place on the land of Israel between um, the, where four nations will come against Israel and Jesus, will, and, and Jesus and his angels will fight the four nations um, on the earth on their behalf. So there's a little bit of type and shadow here about that. Uh, and, and, of course, the angels, the four angels were messengers, right? right? So they're messengers from Satan. Right. And that what they're doing is they're, they're, they're stirring up the nation, those four nations to war against the rest of the world. Correct. So this is, this is and, why there's... And between those four nations, it says, it says, and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, 200, or 200,000, 200, and I heard the number of them. So that's 200 million was the number of the army. So those have to be pretty big nations. And as we know, as we know right now, 
there are four primary nations that are that are that are building their armies. They're growing their armies. They're gathering men. They're gathering women. They're, I mean, they're gathering men. They're gathering uh, gathering armaments. They're preparing. They're setting the stage. Okay. So let me help you with this. There's a lot that's going to happen in our time before we get called out of here that's going to set the stage for the next seven years. But that doesn't mean that these things are going to take place while we're here. Do what? Say it again. Yes. 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 She's a very smart young lady. And she's not saying that it's going to start in existence. In seven years. She's talking about the seven years of tribulation. Right. Right. So what she's saying, she sees this very clearly. If you're going to have 200,000 men. 200 million. That takes a while to build that army. It takes a while to build that army. It takes some time. I was reading something the other day and I went, wow. Uh, Do you know many years ago, because China uh, said, we've got to control our population. Do you know that they were only allowed to have have two children? And you know what? Boys. 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 If they had daughters, if they had more than if they had more than one daughter and they hadn't had a boy, they if they had a girl and then they had another girl, they had to kill that girl. And yep. they abandoned them. They had well, to kill that's them. one way they killed them was abandoning them in the woods. Right. So what they what is China doing? China is building a massive Male population. When did the majority of those how, the majority of those children that were born in that area in that era guess how old they are right now? They're approaching the age, or they're right there in the age of uh, being able to be military soldiers. This is the see see Satan's plan has been working behind the scenes for decades. Things have been lining up for decades. So when we see the signs of the time, don't go, oh, my God, this is going to happen in our time. Know and recognize this is all getting in position for the seven years. But we, the church, that, that are following the living God will be called out. Yes. Yes. This is, everything that's happening is preparing for the Antichrist to come. Now, remember, Antichrist means against Christ. So anybody that's currently, I'm going to ruffle some feathers. Anybody that is currently against Christ is is an Antichrist. Doesn't mean that they are Satan himself, but they are a Antichrist. Okay? Okay? However, in the, in the seven years of tribulation, however, in the seven years of tribulation, Satan himself will possess a man, and, and he will be uh, Satan incarnate. He'll be incarnate. In other words, he'll be living in a man, living on the earth. He'll possess a physical body during the seven years, during the last half of the seven years of tribulation. Now, now remember, we just read where uh, the locust had a king over them, and we said that that was Satan. Now, this, just because there's a king doesn't mean he came out of the pit. Correct. Because he doesn't actually come until the second half of the tribulation. As you know, in, in most armies, the general is never on the front line of, of the war. He stays in the back, or maybe even nowadays, probably back at on home, homeland. 
at, at home and, and sends out the army and, and it gives orders. So just because it says they have a king doesn't mean the king appeared at that time. Right. So we can see here that there's, that there's a period of strong demonic activity. Then there's a break. Then there's another, uh, and here's what we're reading, there's another strong period of demonic activity. We've kind of foreshadowed some things that are going to happen in the natural, but right here he's talking about what's happening, happening spiritually. And, what, and it says that these uh, four angels, these four messengers, were sent forth. Now it says prepared, or it says for an hour or at an hour. Um, it really, it should say, were prepared at an hour and a day and a month and a year. In other words, there was a time period where Satan assigned these four angels, and he said, you're going to do all of this destruction. And God put them in the chain and said, not until I release you. And, God, and the reason God did that is because he can't stop Satan from having his time, but, he can, but God can completely limit and that a, time. And apparently they were chained in the Euphrates River. Or nearby. Now, uh, there are some uh, things going around now that says the Euphrates River is drying up and that that's, this is, the, the, the Euphrates River does dry up, but not right here. Yes. They're released out of the river, but, but it does dry up, but it's not till later. Yes. All right. Let's keep going. All right. So, verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision. Now, where did he see them? In the vision. In the vision. So, he sees this in the spirit. And them that sat on them, having breastplates of fire, and of jacinth, and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Okay. Indication could be three different types of pestilences or three different types of attacks. We don't know. But, huh? Jacinth? It's a type it's of a, stone. It's, a type of, it's, a, it's like a black stone. kind of looks like like lava, kind of, it's kind of black and red. Okay. Yeah, right, coming? yeah, very descriptive there. Yeah. Orange gem, okay. All right, and uh, verse 18, uh, and, and remember that he's trying, to, this is, this is uh, John trying to, to uh, describe. describe things in the future that he has no idea what they are. He he can't even imagine what they are. I mean, he could be talking about tanks or or jet fighters. Yeah. You know, uh, he we wouldn't know because he has no way to even conceive of these things, right. and no way to describe them either. Yeah, he you know how much do you know? Uh, you could could you imagine trying? I mean, we we are aware of missiles, but can you really try to describe what one's really like? It I might mean, be something like uh, out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. Right. I mean, we've seen, we've, I mean, Pastor Mike and some of our other military people have seen when the big guns go off, you get the flash of light and the smoke that goes from them and things like that. Um, but most of us haven't seen that. Right. All right. So verse 18. And by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and their... And in their tails, for their tails were likened to serpents, and had heads, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, 
that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Now, I want to say this about what we just read. It could mean, it could be talking about literal physical war, but it could also be talking about devils and demons working behind the scenes through people. We don't fully know, and honestly, until we're in it, or not we are in it, but until the world's in it, we're not going to fully understand it. But what we do know is that this period right here is a period that you do not want to be part of. You do not want to be part of it. It's not going to be okay. When it says that the third of the people were killed, we read one, we read one commentary on this, and I thought, how absolutely insane do these people think we are? Because the guy said, he said, apparently, uh, while these demons are attacking, they have some way of, um, not, of, of, not, of only killing the sinners and not those that have received Jesus. And I said, what? A missile's going to go and go, oh, sinner, bam. Uh, Non-sinner, skip that one. Non-sinner, skip that one. Uh, sinner, hit that one. I was like, that's stupid, the way he described it. And I mean, I guess you could say the bomb's going to hit and, and boom, you know, uh, you know, God's going to supernaturally protect us. But see, my point is, is we don't fully know it because we're not in it. But what we do know is that the angels are behind, that the, the demonic uh, spirits are behind this and that it's going to be a warlike scenario and it's going to be bad. That's what we do know. All right. So. And here's the other thing that we know. While this warlike scenario is, go is going on, the people, the people, the people that have not already denied Christ in this warlike zone, because remember, they can't die physically. Those people that have not, that have not already surrendered to the enemy are still worshiping devils, worshiping idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, of wood, Neither can they see, nor hear. Uh, the they're saying they're worshiping these gods that can't see, they can't walk, they can't hear, but they're still worshiping them. Notice it says, neither they repented of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thieves. In other words, these people are still going to be living filthy and dirty, now, despite everything that's going on around them. Now, where it says sorceries here, they're talking about drug use. Yes. I mean, yes. and you think about it, the drugs we have today, they make you not care about what's going on in the world. Yeah. You know, I mean, so, so yeah, the people that are hooked on these drugs, they're not going to care what's going on. Mm -hmm. they're, they're, and they're not going to repent of it either. If anything, they're going to duck their heads down and take more of the drugs. Yeah. So we can say, man, if that was going on around me, I surely run for Jesus. But no, what they're surely going to run, what a large percentage of them are surely going to run to is to what they're running to now. False gods, false things. They're going to run to their alcohol. They're going to run to their, to their drugs. They're going to run to their sex. They're going to run to whatever can help them cope physically in the moment. And, and, and okay, so theft. A third of the people on the earth just got wiped out, is what it says, basically. Right. So, yeah, I'm going to go out and steal stuff. Well, think about all the riots that have gone on. As soon as something bad happens, people go out and riot, and they start stealing everything under the sun. Now, we can look at this. I'm going to tell you right now, because 
And I'm going to tell you right now, the commentaries, when we told, when uh, Michael told Larry and Angela we were teaching, teaching on the book of Revelations, she said, what sources are you using? And I looked at her and I said, honestly, I said, I don't agree with most of them. I said, because most of them don't, don't agree with the character of God. And her and Larry sat there and they shook their head. And then we talked about people that had believed this and believed that, and it's been disproved what they believe. And, and so here's the deal. Just like in the Old Testament, they could not fully understand the prophecies about Jesus in the day we live in today. We're not going to fully understand these prophecies until it takes place. What we do need to know and what we do need to understand is that we do not want to be part of this. We want to live right so that we get called out of here, and we want to take as many people with us as possible. We want as many of our family and many of our friends as possible to go. But let me say this because I just got a nudge in the spirit. You may not be the one that gets your family saved. However. More than likely. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now. However, you should be praying for them. Right. I'm going to tell you right now. Most of our family that was serving the devil that is now serving God rejected us and turned us away. They did. They rejected us and they turned us away. And, and they didn't want anything to do with us. So what we went to do is we went to praying for them. We didn't get around them. We didn't hang around with them. We didn't sit with them while they sinned. We didn't get around with them at all. We stayed away from them, but we prayed that God would send well, laborers. We didn't stay away from them. They avoided us. Well, I'm just saying, <laughs> if, here's the deal. If they're having a blowout party of drinking and whatever they're doing, I'm not getting involved in that. True. If I know they're over there drinking, I'm not going over there. If I know they're getting high, I'm not going over there. I'm not. I love you from a distance. I'm going to live my life for Jesus, and I'm going to pray for laborers. And so more than likely, what you need to do is you need to be a laborer for somebody else's family and pray for your family. Well, they got but, but that doesn't mean... That you just give up on them. No, no, it, no, no, it, no. It, and it, because, hey, just because you may not be the person that brings them to the Lord doesn't mean you won't be the person that brings them to the Lord. Oh, no. You still should try. Any, any opportunity that we got, we took. But honestly, the ones that are now serving God, and it's a good percentage of them, they didn't come to God through us. They did not. So you need to actively... Yes, you need to pray for your family. Yes, when you have an opportunity to witness to them, witness to them. But the biggest way you're going to help them is to pray for laborers in their path. Pray for laborers. God can use doctors. God can use them. Because I've had, to, I've had some people say, well, the only people they see are doctors and nurses. Well, guess what? God can use those doctors and nurses. He can use them. He can use them. Because I'll tell you, uh, the Lord's been moving on me to have that talk with my mother and my brother. Again. Again. <laughs> We've had it multiple times. Okay. All right. So, chapter 10. Chapter 10, because this is good news in chapter 10. Woo, good news is coming in chapter 10. All right. And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was, as it were, the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. Glory sound familiar? Who does that sound like? Come on, let's read it again. Come on, All let's right. read it again. <clears throat> and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head. 
and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. His feet sounds like Jesus. Doesn't that sound a lot like Jesus that we saw in chapter 1 at the beginning of Revelation? His feet were like that of fire. His head, remember around the throne there was a rainbow around the throne. There's a glory cloud around him, and it says that he was clothed. What does it say? It says he's clothed in a cloud. What is that? He's clothed in the glory. Sounds like Now, a lot of people will say this can't be Jesus because in the New Testament, Jesus is never called an angel. And there, there's true that in the New Testament, Jesus is never called an angel. Until here. But, <laughs> but all through the Old Testament, we see Jesus referred to as the angel of the Lord. He is not an angel, but he is the head of the angel army. He is the head of the angels. And uh, he's talking to John, who John uh, lived in Old Testament times. And he's talking to the Jews. He's, remember, he's, remember, the whole book of Revelations is about dealing with the Jews as well as the Gentiles. And the Jews understood Jesus in the Old Testament to be the angel of the Lord. They understand that now. And uh uh, God owes the Jews a period of Old Testament time. So it would be the angel of the Lord that would come. So after this big war, after these, after these hardships, after these pestilences and all this that happens, right there at the tail end of it, here comes Jesus. And let's look at what Jesus does. This is at the end of the seven years. Look at what Jesus does. All right. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. So remember, any type of waters, seas, anything like that has to do with the people. It says he put his foot on the people and he put his foot on the earth. How much you know, uh, when anytime you put your anytime you put your foot on land, uh, what was the first thing we did when we got to the moon? They put their feet on it. And, and then they planted and they planted the flag and claimed that land is belonging to us, right? Well, guess what Jesus did? He's putting his feet in the sea. He's putting his feet on the earth. He's putting his feet on the people, and he's saying, "This place now belongs to me, Satan." That's what he's saying. He's claiming ownership. And and so he put his so he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth, and cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. It means the Holy Spirit spoke also. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write, meaning John was about to write down what they said. And I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. Glory to God. So, so right here, God's telling him, don't write this stuff down. But but they have obviously said something that John heard, and and and, and so that so what this is showing us is that God did not in the scripture has not revealed everything that was going to happen, that there was going to be other things that happened or, or are going to happen, and and but He's not revealing them to us. One so not sure why, but possibly so as not to scare us, or or two possibly so as not to warn Satan what's going on. And this is not uncommon. There's several places in the scripture that, uh, that the Father God tells, um, he told, was it Daniel? He told, I believe it was Daniel. He said, 
uh, don't don't tell what I've shown you. Uh, there's several places in the Old Testament. Did you write those? Right, down? I did. So in Daniel eight twenty six, God told Daniel to uh, he, he Daniel had a vision, and God told Daniel to seal it up up the vision uh, until the time of the end, for uh, for it uh, concerns the distant future. And, and also, it, he also spoke about that in Daniel 12, uh, verse 4 and verse 9. So we see in the scriptures that there are times that God will reveal something to us and show things to us, and then he'll say, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. It's just like when God showed me that vision of him calling us into the ministry. I didn't even, God, it just dropped down in my heart. God said, keep it. And I kept it. I, I, I saw it in July, and I didn't say a word. I didn't even tell Michael. I knew we were called into ministry, and I didn't even tell him until October when my pastor's wife came to me and said, I've been meaning to talk to you since camp meeting. We were at camp meeting, and the Lord told me that you, you and Michael are supposed to be our youth leaders, and we're supposed to train you into the ministry. And I looked at her, and I didn't know what to say. He was out on a fire. I didn't know what to say. But I knew I couldn't deny her because I knew what the Lord had already shown me. So then I had to go home and I had to tell Michael, I said, so when we were in camp meeting, I had this experience and this is what happened. At least this is part of what I can tell you. And then I was at church today and my pastor's wife came to me and this is what she said. And he looked at me and he said, she said it to God said it to you, not me. And I said, uh... What do you want me to do? Go back to the pastors and say, you're not in? Because this is kind of like a partner thing here. And he kind of paused for a minute and he said, no, it's fine. Why? Because God had already spoken it to his heart. So there's time. And then the rest of the vision, I was not even allowed. I had that vision in 2002, July of 2002. And I wasn't even allowed to tell the tail end of the vision until we were already pastoring this church in, I think I started, he started letting me let little pieces out here and there in 2020. And it's only been just recently that I've, ex- that I've explained 90% of everything that the Lord has showed me. See, because there's times, there's times and seasons. So the Lord will speak to you about things, but it doesn't mean it's time for you to share it. And that was what was here, is it wasn't time to share it. If it scared the patoodles out of me, it scared the patoodles out of everybody else. <laughs> so that's why he said, John, you can handle this. Nobody else can. Yep. So he told John, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that liveth forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein are and the earth and the things that therein are, and the sea and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. So there was, now uh, it says, And the angel which I saw stand upon, in other words, who, said, who declared this? It was the angel that he saw. Who was the angel that he saw? Jesus. So Jesus declared. He's come down to the earth, and he has declared there's no time left. What time is it referring to? The time of the age of the church. The time of the age of the church. There's no time left. The church is getting called out, and then there'll be seven years, but there will be a remnant. God always has a remnant. 
There'll be a remnant of the church still behind. That remnant is 144,000 Jews that God seals after the church is called. And then there'll be those that that receive the new birth during the seven years. So there's a remnant on the earth at that point. So in the King James, it says that there should be time no longer. But in several other, the more modern translations, it said there will be no more delay. No more delay. So this will be the end of this dispensation. That when Jesus, when Jesus comes and he places his feet upon the earth, because he's not placing his feet on the earth when the church gets called out. He's placing his feet on the earth at the end of the seven years. And at the end of the seven years, the time of this world that we know it, under the governments that we know it, this time where Satan, let me make sure that I get this very clear, Satan's time of ownership on the earth is done. That's the one that has no more time. That's the one that has no more time. We'll see here later. Uh, Well, let's just keep reading. Let's keep reading. All right, verse 7. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished, as he hath declared to his servants the prophets. And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me again and said, Go and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel, which standeth upon the sea and upon the earth. Okay. It doesn't show it right here. It shows us in other scriptures. We'll get into it later on. Once Jesus puts his feet on the earth, that's when Jesus will begin his millennial reign. Jesus and those that went up with him in the rapture will come to the earth and they will rule on the earth for a thousand years and Satan and all of his demons will be once and for all put in the pit of hell. They will be forever in the pit of hell at this point. Okay? So, that's what it means when he says there's time no longer. This will be the end of Satan's time to rule in in the lives of people. All right. We'll see this later on in Revelation. There's three more scriptures. Three more scriptures and we'll call it nine. And I went unto the angel and said unto him, Give me the little book. And he said unto me, Take it and eat it up. And it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. Okay. So what does it mean to eat the book for it to be sweet in your mouth and bitter in the belly? Uh, this, is an old, this is a Greek idiom. And basically what it means is getting a revelation and an understanding from God is sweet. How much do you know it's sweet when you read the book or you hear a teaching and it opens your eyes to something about the Word of God? And you go, oh, with great joy. You're excited about it. I remember distinctly we were so excited when we read Proverbs with our spiritual eyes for the first time. We were so excited to understand what uh, rebellion was. We were so excited to understand what corrupt communication was. We were so excited to understand what nagging did to one another. We were so excited to understand uh, that murmuring caused problems. Like, we were so excited about these revelations. Why? Because it brought freedom to our household. But then, how much you know, it was bitter when we realized we're guilty. 
Now we've got to change. Now we've got to make some adjustments. Now we've got to go to work. How much do you know in that moment it was bitter? The revelation was sweet, but now, ooh, we're so guilty. How much do you know the revelation of how close we are to Jesus' return? I mean, man, isn't that good? That means the devil is fixing to finally be put down. That means that we're fixing to walk in total victory. The fact that the church is so close to getting called out of here, man, that means we're fixing to see the biggest move of God the earth has ever seen, and we're going to be right in the middle of it. We're going to be seeing people supernaturally healed, and it's not going to be progressive healings. I mean, there will be some progressive healings, but there will be more creative miracles instantly. We'll be sitting there. We'll be praying and seeking the Lord. In one minute, we'll be in Murphy, North Carolina. The next minute, who knows? We might be over there in Africa somewhere preaching the gospel. And then we'll get done preaching the gospel. And then, poof, we might be off in Alaska or somewhere else. Why? Because God's going to translate people to different places to proclaim the word. We're going to see all of this. We're going we're gonna to see people caught up in trances for days, weeks, and even months at a time praying down the glory of God. We're going to see this. We're going to see us all receive glorified bodies. We're getting to see all of this. We're the generation that birthed this thing. How awesome is that? I mean, that's sweet as honey. But then when you stop and you realize, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles and loved ones that have rejected Christ are going to go through the tribulation. And then to the lake of fire. Oh, Jesus. When we realize that we've got, we've got people that we call our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we look at their lifestyle and we see they're not going out of here in the rapture according to the scripture, not that we're judging them, we're just looking at the real possibility that according to what we read. And hopefully we're wrong, but. It doesn't look like they're going. Oh, Jesus. I mean, that should compel us to pray, to prayer for them. But at the same time, I mean, that, that's bitter. To think of our loved ones going through. The Lord had me years ago. Because I was like, yeah, this, yeah, my family's saved. Yeah, my, my family's going out of here. And that, the Lord took me through several scriptures, about nine of them. And he said, according to what I just showed you, how many of your people are now going? I said, Lord. And I cried and I wept and it changed my prayer life. Because according to the scriptures, just because you say, yeah, I believe, if your lifestyle is dirty and filthy, you're not going out of here. You're going through the, you're going through the tribulation. And so, so, yeah, so this is a sweet revelation. This is sweet to know that we're this close. It's sweet to know that we're not going to have to deal with those seven years. It's a wonderful thing. But it's also bitter because of the ones that we know that will go through it. If, 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 because there's still time, if they don't turn. And so we've got a job to do. We've got to get on our knees. We've got to get on our faces. We've got to quit wasting time watching TV and playing video games and going to the mall and going to the movie theater and going here and going there. We've got to get on our faces, and we've got to start praying this thing in. We've got to start praying for laborers. We've got to start praying for the... For, honestly, for quit, the we need to quit praying for the power, and we need to start praying that we are qualified to operate in the power because the power is already available. We just don't qualify because of the power that it's going to take for this last time in move of God, the power that's going to have to rest on us and flow in us. Oh, we got to be clean or it will take us out. Listen, I have walked in that anointing. I have walked in the power of God. I have walked 
where I have just been able to say, where I've just been able to wave my hand and the power of God hit rows of people and they go down in the power of God. I've walked in it. And I'm telling you what, it is so intense on your physical flesh that I had to ask the Lord to turn it down after just two and a half weeks. That's all I could tolerate was two and a half weeks. And I wasn't living nearly as clean as I am now. But I guarantee you, I know the intensity of it. And I only had a small portion. I guarantee you, I'm going to have to get cleaner to get it in its fullness. I guarantee it. So that's what this scripture means. But man, it's good, good news. And then look at the last verse he said. He said, and I said, on, and he said unto me, thou must prophesy again. That means that particular prophecy was done. He's getting ready to give another prophecy and this prophecy is before people, nations, tongues, and kings. So we're going to start next week with the next prophecy that the, that the Lord gave John. And uh, that deals specifically with Jerusalem, specifically with Israel. And, uh, we'll, and uh, hopefully it will be easier. But nine, there's just so much packed in chapter nine. Oh, my goodness. I thought, oh, Lord, I don't know if we'll ever get through this thing. But uh, praise the Lord. It's good. To know what's coming. It's good to know what's coming. And as Pastor Mike pointed out when he said, uh, the, Lord, the, the, the Lord said, don't write it all down. Uh, we need to understand that everything that's going to happen in the tribulation is not recorded in the Bible. As bad as we know it's going to be, there's going to be things that are going to occur that we have no idea about. No clue about. There's going to be hardships that we cannot even imagine but there's also going to be wonderful things that god's going to do in that time to win people to christ so this is just it's just wonderful i think you better pray okay well if uh, zach will come and receive the offering for us lord we thank you for this word which we have received uh we accept it with singleness and single-mindedness and of purpose and heart lord it, it it falls on good ground and it will it will get down on the inside we will meditate on it throughout the week and we will share it with all that we come in contact with lord it will grow in our lives and, and bear fruit in our lives and the lives of those we come in contact with lord we just love you and we thank you for this revelation we thank you for this this showing that that it even though a lot of bad things are going to happen it's not the end and it's and and there's there is a way for us to come through it. And Lord, uh, we just love you, and we want to see your work done here on earth as it is in heaven. So we give into your kingdom. Uh, we we give generously and with a joyful heart because you gave so much to us, and you and you well, you gave the ultimate price for us, Lord, and you made all things possible for us. Lord, we just love you, and we thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, we do glorify you and praise you. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to sow seed. And, Father, we thank you that your word is true and your word is working. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And amen. amen. I'm going to serve the people.